Welcome to Kingdom Life Podcast. We're glad that you're joining us today. We hope that today's message will bring peace to your mind, joy to your heart, and life to your soul. Thanks for listening. Ms. Gibson, you got anything you want to say? No? Okay. Okay, I changed my mind. <laughs> um, from the time that I came here, um, you don't go a lot of places where you can genuinely feel the warmth and the love from every single person that you interact with, and that that was really profound for me. So what you have here is really special. Um, so yeah, love first. Keep your love on. You're obviously doing it, um, and it's just really beautiful. So. Awesome. Sir Gibson, you have anything you want to say? No. Okay. <laughs> These are amazing people. I really want to get into the word and begin giving you guys uh, some of the things that the Lord had and also honor your time. So if there is anything that they have along the way, they have permission to interrupt me. We are a prophetic family. And so sometimes I have to stop and go, bang, and kill that rabbit. And then we go right back on the trail and we're fine. Okay, so please... You guys make them feel welcome again, please. I love them so much. It is my firm conviction that prophetic people, apostolic people, evangelistic people, pastoral people, teaching people are supposed to, according to the new covenant, be able to give away their gift set in order that you might become more mature according to the stature of Christ. Unfortunately, many apostolic movements, prophetic movements, evangelistic movements, you name it, they're very good at reproducing themselves. I've been a part of all of them, and we only have ever done what we know to do. And I want to take you on a little bit of a journey today. Uh, and it's going to be a fun journey where you get some interaction. That's awesome, right? Instead of like listening to me talk for a long time and then eating. It'll make you extra sleepy after the chili. And so I want to do some interactive stuff today, but I, I have a few things that I feel like I'm supposed to kind of impart to you before we go any further, okay? So I'm going to do a little bit of a hodgepodge uh, uh, of a message. And I don't know why somewhere along the way in history we felt like when you were giving a sermon, you basically only had one message to give. So you wrote a message, but it's strange because God can say one word and you can get like 147 million messages. You can have all of the people on earth hear it is finished and have something different to glean from it. So I'm just excusing myself from the need to say one thing. It is my heart to leave you with more questions than answers. I think we have a little bit of a problem in the, in the global body today where we are telling people what to think but not how to think. And so it is my hope that I can give you more questions so that you can present those before the Lord and begin to create your own neural connections, neural pathways with the Lord outside of me kind of putting an exclamation point where maybe there should be a question mark. Does that make sense? Because if our people learn how to think, then we don't have to tell them what to think. And that means when the troubles of life present themselves, you have some internal mechanism that kicks in to know how to process what is in front of you without being tossed back and forth with every wind of false doctrine. Okay. Amen. You can answer back if you want to, but this is rhetorical in nature, but you know, we're having fun. How difficult was it for you to say yes to God's gift of salvation? Did you have to strain 
did you have to have faith the size of a mountain or faith the size of a mustard seed? Thank you for your bravery. I appreciate that answer. It wasn't a trick question, although I do those, so that's why my wife didn't answer. And so it was a very easy thing, right? Now, question two, what is the most amazing miracle? Thank you for your bravery. I appreciate that. Wasn't a trick question, but now you know one might be coming. I taught you guys how to hear the Lord in a different way yesterday, so you better be exercising that. Salvation is this radically easy to gain gift, and it is the greatest miracle. So why do we strain to heal headaches? Or to see blind eyes open? To see the dead raised? Could I propose to you this morning that if you're striving for the miraculous more than you did for your own salvation, you could be trying too hard. I don't think God is really interested in our effort. That's why he made this covenant with himself. You are the recipients of a covenant that you didn't have any part of besides receiving. And so when we get weird when it comes time to pray for little things like headaches, I believe that we somehow have regressed into an effort-based society of believers. And so when I want to stir up faith in the room, what I do more times than not, I'm about to do it now, you're welcome, I set you up for that, is I begin to tell you what you already believe. Do you know what you already believe? You believe that in an unseen realm, un some unnamed date that a spirit God decided that he wanted something to be seen in a physical realm. He caused all of the universe to come alive. And then on one of those orbs in this unknown space called the heavens, he caused one of those orbs that was covered in water and darkness to no longer be that way. You believe that he took some of the material of the center of this orb floating in a nothingness to come to surface in the water and he plucked you out of that, breathed on it, and now you're you. And you believe that this one, I'm not trying to ruin your faith, I'm trying to build it. And you believe that he caused this nothing to become animated, to become a man who, who ultimately chose to depart divine union with God for the sake of knowing. Rabbit trail. Why do we have to know? The pursuit of knowing actually took us away from God rather than the pursuit of being. We are not human knowings. We're human beings. And the pursuit of this knowledge that we already had divine access to when presented as not having access to, we chose it over God himself, the author of all knowledge. Going back in to the path now, and so that rabbit's gone. Poor rabbits, really. They take a hard rap. 
and you believe that God saw our fallen state and spirit God, uncontained God, chose to jump into the vessel, an uncreated vessel, a cell, all of God, not in a baby, but in a single cell that would reproduce itself to create its own body. You know that's what happens when you're born. You're conceived, you're a cell, you're actually two ultimate cells that come together to make a single cell that gets a blueprint six billion characters long. That's how long your DNA strand is. And it creates your body. And you think God somehow and this divine ability jumped in to ultimately nothing. If anybody does numbers well here, I don't, but I'm going to try. Do you know that, that you, we were talking about this last night because somebody asked, and I didn't really want to go down this road, but here we are. I said, do you know that your body is only made up of one one trillionth matter? If you took something, a pie, and you divided it into one trillion pieces, all of the mass that it takes for you to be is only one of those slices. That means the rest of all those slices is made up of some magnificent, magnificent, magnificent nothing. That's how magnificent it is. I can't even think of how to say it. It's mind-boggling. And so... That's how amazing God did when he inhabited a human body. And then knowing your own fallen state and decisions personally, you believe that this God lived a perfect life. Sinless and faultless. And he laid down his life at the hands of people that despised him so he could redeem his murderers. And you believe at any given point, God just decided to live again. Let me get back to work. And one day, randomly, you believe that God just floated back to heaven. And you believe that angels came down and said, hey, guys, why are you staring into the sky? Jesus is coming back that same way. And you believe that his spirit that animated his body remained on earth to animate yours again. Do you know who you are? And now God refers to you by his own name. (laughs) We really try too hard for the miraculous. We try too hard. And so we find ourselves often saying things like, Lord, I believe. But our heart is somewhere over here. And our words are right. But there is no real knowing on the inside. Have you ever found someone trying to convince you of a truth? They will say it eight or ten times because they don't believe that you believe it. Have you ever been that person to convince someone of what is true? And so you find yourself looping and repeating. Has a tree ever tried to convince you of its existence? Trees are like, I'm good. (laughs) Trees are so good, they don't have to even tell you they're good. They're just blowing in the wind, living their lives. And that's by design. Isn't that crazy? That's how secure a tree is. How much more are you than a tree? 
that has become a vessel of God himself. I love the picture of putting on God. That's amazing. But in reality, God put himself in here and we, we somehow like contained the uncontainable. Like the spirit that transitioned Christ from heaven to earth, earth to hell, hell to earth, earth to heaven is animating your skin and bones now. So before I teach you anything this morning, now I'm going to invite you to be big. To be what Jesus paid for with no effort of your own. You get to say, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's saying, if you lay hands on me, you have touched the kingdom. What? So now, if you need healing in your body, just put your hand up. It would be almost like God knew this was going to happen. Keep your hands up real high. Everybody now, if your hand isn't up, look around. Look around real good. If your hand is not up, you're our prayer team. Stand up. Now just come up right here. And I'm going to teach you how to get healings really quick. Come up here and just stand next to me. Over here, if you're standing up, if you're standing up, prayer team, up here. Yep, next to me, to my left, in a single file line. <laughs> We're over here. I know this is a little different, but I'm in the other category. I wish you would join me here. I just told you who you are. Now, if you have never prayed for, you can put your hands down now. We all know because you're still sitting. Um, if you have never prayed for anybody sick before in your life, raise your hand out of this group. Can you come here for me? What's your name? Heather. Heather. Say hello, Heather. Hi. I'm going to have Heather say just three words. And if by faith you receive the authority that God paid to put in her body, you can make a demand. Wow. Do you know, people demanded power from the shadow of a man who was possessed by God. And they were healed without his yes. He didn't have to say, well, I guess you can have power from my shadow. So there's no pressure on you. There's no pressure on you. That is the point. Do you know that word sozo, saved, healed, delivered? It's like the complete wholeness of God. Do you know when it says your faith has made you whole, that's actually what it's saying. Your faith has made you sozo. Do you know God went about healing victims sometimes with commands? 66% of Jesus' ministry was commanding people to be healed. Why? Because many people, like the man at the pool of Bethesda, he's blaming no one. He said, God, I have no one to put me in the pool. 
So Jesus saw this victim mentality operating in his body, and he says, then stand up. And why didn't Jesus pray for him? Because had he done anything to help this man, that victim mentality would have remained, but his body would have been whole. So the command of the Lord is to heal you whole. So you get to make a demand on Heather. <laughs> wow. And it's no effort of your own. So we're just like chilling out here. And so if you have a need in your body, we're going to do a quick, a quick thing. Ready? Are you guys by faith ready to receive healing? Do you believe that God raises the dead today? Yes. Baby, she was dead. She's had double breast cancer. She has lost children. And, and she was shorter. Last time you guys saw her, she was an inch shorter. And she didn't have seven gold teeth. And she didn't, her feet were smaller. From the last time that you guys saw her, she got seven gold teeth, grew an inch, and got a, a larger shoe size. I had to give, have her give away 60 pairs of shoes to a women's shelter. And that hurt. Sometimes miracles hurt, but I wouldn't change it. Amen. I call her the house of miracles because I can't take her anywhere without seeing a new healing. And I'm telling you, this is the life of those redeemed. Now you can put a demand on Heather. You can put a demand on Jesus. You can put a demand on the hem of her dress. Jesus calls things like this great faith. Do you know why? Faith naturally is fueled by the testimony. That's why you guys are here. You heard the testimony of Jesus Christ. You believed. You had faith. And now you've received eternal salvation. Amen. Amen. But the people that Jesus referred to in Scripture as having great faith, they did not simply hear a testimony. They believed for something that had no testimony. Great faith is fueled by wonder. Jesus heals with his hands. I bet he could heal with the hem of his garment. Jesus commands the sick. I bet he can command my soldier over in another city. Peter heals with his hands. I bet his shadow's blessed. Great faith is fueled by what you've yet to see God do and still believed. Blessed are those that have not yet seen and believed. That is great faith. Say amen. So, You've probably never seen this before in a church. And if you have, awesome. You only have regular faith. But if you haven't seen it before, you get to have great faith. Like, it's time that the church learns to dream for what they've yet to see God do. He's so good, I bet he could do this. And now the, the bar has risen. And God will meet you there because he won't let you lie about his goodness. It's above what you could ask or think. I'm going to teach you something. You can pigeonhole God into the miraculous by believing above what you've seen or thought. Because his promise is to do even above that. Wow. We ready? This is not my message. And I will be quick and honor your time. Close your eyes. And I want you to just picture Heather standing here in your God imagination. And I want you to say, say, like, no music's playing. We don't have mood music. We don't have mood lighting. You know, I don't know how the disciples did church. They just, they had a hard way to go. It was like faith or nothing, right? Well, I'm presenting you with a Bible moment. It's Bible moments with Jonathan Gibson. Why am I being funny and not serious? Because it's not according to your effort, 
It's not according to your effort. It's according to who you put your faith in. Do you believe that the power of God rests in Heather and can be released from her? And this is what we're going to do. We're going to pray a very technical prayer. Ready? But, but you're not calling out my exact problem, Jonathan. I don't have to. That's how good Jesus is. He arrests a room. If he can arrest a heart, he can arrest a room. He didn't die to redeem a room. He died to redeem you. So you just say this with me, okay? okay. Jesus, heal them. Jesus, heal them. Now, by faith, you receive your healing, and by faith, you begin to test out the thing that did not work before. Come on. Because that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Faith without works is dead. So we actually begin to test out the thing that we want to see God do in our body. And if you feel God starting to touch you after this girl shaking in my armpit, I felt it, sorry, uh, shaking in my armpit is saying these words going, what is he going to make me do? And that's how we approach our father. God, I want to be healed, but what are you going to make me do? And God's like, child, you missed the whole point. I don't want you to do anything. I want you to receive my goodness. It isn't about your effort or your works. You've believed for eternal salvation. Then how much more do you have the kingdom now? You can't go to people and say, repent, the kingdom is at hand, unless you're the kingdom at hand. I'm a representative of the kingdom with a broken body. That's not okay. So now if you feel God touching your body, wave your hand at Heather. She's never prayed for the sick before. Stand up. If you feel like God has healed you, stand up on your feet and... and See, this is so simple. We ready? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if you've been touched by God, you're a part of the prayer team. <laughs> what you've given, been given freely, you give away freely. Say amen. amen. Everybody else sitting down, I'm going to charge every one of you to not try to heal people, but to believe in God. That is the key to miraculous healings. Stop trying to heal people and acknowledge his stripes acknowledge his blood yesterday we taught in the prophetic class uh does everybody feel their hands and they're like yeah i became aware of my hands does everybody feel their feet oh i'm now aware of my feet did you feel the back of your elbows well no you didn't ask me to right and that truth was constantly flowing into your brain and it wasn't until you acknowledged it that you had access to those feelings and that is designed by god so we're going to acknowledge healing. We're going to acknowledge God's goodness over people, and we're going to see bodies healed. And then I'll teach you a lesson, and then we'll eat. Say amen. amen. No music necessary. Prayer team, don't try. You lay hands by faith. You acknowledge the goodness of God over a person and his desire being for them, and you move on to the next person. And then we're going to ask them if they feel anything. If they say, well, I feel maybe 10% better. I'm like, then we're going to work on that 10% because God has never healed anybody 10%. And we're going to pray again. And we're going to say, but we're not going to try. So we're going to say, well, I bless you again. How do you feel now? And something's going to happen when they begin to take action in, in the goodness of God for healing and their pain is going to disappear. You guys with me? Okay, we don't have long because I'm not going to leave you too long to try too hard. Okay? So we're not living in people right here like just... You know, we're not doing any of that. We're just going to release naturally without strain. Please don't say anything, Taylor. Just, just smile and, and nod. Okay, so we're going to go do that. Come on, prayer team, start at this table.
Just start at this table and all of you, like a fire tunnel coming to them, just literally hit them really quick and we're just going to do table at a time. While you're waiting to be prayed for, I want you to prepare your heart to receive. God, I am ready to receive the thing that my body needs. And Lord, while everybody's praying and you're waiting to receive prayer, I just want you to keep going, keep moving. But uh, we got a text from one of your members named Rod, who's having a hard time breathing. And so we're not going to try to heal him either. We're going to acknowledge God's stripes over Rod. So by faith now, God, I ask that your healing power and virtue be released from our faith For the sake of Rod's lungs and all things necessary required to breathe deep and freely without any restriction or sense of breathlessness in Jesus' name. Amen. If anybody over here has received a healing at all, just put your hands up really big because people think this can be kind of weird. So just, they need to see the testimonies. If God has touched your body, there's had more people. One, two, three, four, five, six. Guys, this is ridiculous. Come on. Who else? Who else is healed? Seven, eight. Who else? Nine. Who else? Ten. Eleven. This is so much easier than having long altar calls where you have to wait to go eat lunch. Come on. Twelve. Thirteen. Isn't this strange? Like it's little effort. After you've prayed for your people, please have a seat. It's time to teach you guys some stuff. So praise the Lord for altar calls and healing. Say amen. Can we actually just take a minute and acknowledge the testimonies of the Lord and put our hands together to thank Jesus? Now, I don't have a lot of time with you today, and I'm going to do my best, but I'm going to trust the people that know me best here that attend your church that I call family to give me the eye and start pretending to cut the neck when it's time for me to stop. They had to do that yesterday. People were just leaving. I'm like, I'm just going to keep teaching. We're supposed to end at three, and I'm just going to keep teaching because I've also come to the firm conviction that I may never get to see you again. So why wouldn't I just put out a a spread and say, take what you want. What do you believe for? If there's something I can impart to you, I want to do it because I love you and I want you to have success. And so if I try to bottle a message within an hour, it may not work. And there might be something else that God wanted to say for your benefit. Does that make sense? All right, next. How many people are familiar with the term fivefold? Wave at me really big. A lot of us, okay. In scripture, in Ephesians, if we'll pull that up, can we pull that up really quick? I'm just going to read it. Ephesians 4, starting at 11, we're going to go through to 16, open your Bibles if you have it, or you can read the screen. Before we go any further, do you see those first two words, and he? Most of you that know this passage of scripture know that that's Jesus, right? And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. What's next? For what? 
the equipping. I thought it was to build a prophetic ministry. Oh, babe, we've got to go back to the drawing board on what we're doing. Man. For the equipping of the saints, but not just to give the saints something to do nothing with. So we're not equipping saints so they can have a prophetic ministry. Can we go back to that? I'm sorry. I'm being facetious. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service. Well, I don't believe in a works gospel. Well, I'm not working for salvation. I'm working from it. For the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So the body, hold on, the body cannot be built unless you're willing to receive from people that have these graces on their lives and be equipped so that you can be sent and in doing so you can build up the body of Christ. That is not just in maturity, it's also by volume. The number of souls can be contingent on your yes and that is horrifying. Think about the people you've led to Christ in your own life up to this point or even influenced to see Jesus. Your yes is dependent for all of eternity for someone else who's yet to hear the gospel. Next scripture. Until. That means that the fivefold is meant and designed to have an expiration date. That's what that word means. Until. We all attain the unity of the faith. What does that mean? That means if you have a fivefold gift and your gift has been predominantly anything outside of bringing people to the unity of faith in Jesus Christ, you're using your gift improperly. That's what that says. That's not my opinion. I wish I could just go build like a superstar prophetic ministry where I just train people how to hear the Lord and do nothing else with it and go to Florida. I don't know. Something cool. So we exist to equip people for the sake of building up the body so that people would come to the unity of faith, that's the until part, and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man. In some uh, translations it reads, to the full stature of Christ himself. So the fivefold exists. Can anybody, one person, not everybody at once, can one person name all five of the fivefold so people can know that you know? Just being funny. Yes, sir. You have one. His name's Caleb. Pastors. Mm-hmm. Everybody hear that? Close enough. We'll read about it in a second. We already did once. Um, to a mature man, to the measure and the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. Keep going. As a result, do you want to know the fruit of the fivefold? It's right here in scripture. I don't have to give an opinion. It's awesome. As a result, we are no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men. Do you ever see people manipulate as leaders in the church and it just makes you mad? Do you know that then the proof, according to the scripture, the fruit of their ministry is that they have not been maturing people into becoming mature in stature, not to be manipulated. So then you actually have a heart to pray for the people who have been tricked because they've not been allowed to mature because they've been trapped as children. 
It is the great equivalent. You'll see this in scripture, and, and it mirrors through all of reality. Every problem that the earth has in the world right now, there is a spiritual implication for the body of Christ. What this would point to is like child trafficking. We're having children packed into rooms to fuel our ministry so that we can become the pinnacle point for our pleasure. That's heavy. It says, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Next, please. But speaking the truth in love. Everybody say, in love. If any of your gifts cause you to speak the truth outside of love, you've used your gift to miss. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up. Everybody say, grow up. In all aspects. That's right, keep coming with me. Into him who is the head. Even Christ. Okay, now, take that down. We're going to stop right there. Everybody okay so far? Growing up for me, I was taught that the fivefold was like some mystical mountain of God where just a few people had these primary giftings that we called them offices growing up. They had the office of the apostle, the office of a prophet. Later, fast forward, I would have a conversation with a theologian and I would say, can we quit using the, the language office? And he said, why? And I said, because if these five, Jesus, did he operate as an apostle? Did Jesus operate as a prophet? Did he operate as an evangelist? What about a pastor? What about a teacher? So could we start calling and rather than cutting our Lord in half and putting him in rooms and closing the door? Could we call them the power attributes of Christ's ministry? This guy that knows far more than I do about scripture said, can I use that? And I was like, please, could you tell somebody else that you have influence over so that you could actually change the way that they think and cause, that's what repentance is, right? You're transformed by the renewing of your mind. So can you transform some lives by allowing them to think differently about what was actually happening? Is that making sense so far? Take the last part of my message to transition and say, if you have the gift of an apostle, well, there's two, there's two points and then we'll be done. If you have the gift of an apostle, if you have the gift of a prophet or the attribute naturally or an evangelist or any of the five, that will be the primary way that you receive instruction from God. It is a very long story. We told it last night. Don't have time today. But through circumstance, God taught us this truth where we were pressured to prophesy to 45 world leaders and we had 24 hours to get 45 words each. Me, Gina, prophet. And what I learned through circumstance and download from God is that when the prophet feels like he can't hear God suddenly anymore and he gets sad, he needs to go back for hearing God for the sake of God's voice and God's voice alone. When the apostle, you know that word apostle does not mean boss. Man, it's quiet. That word apostle does not mean boss. It actually means ambassador or one sent. Do you know why in scripture that word apostle was used? Because we didn't have the word missionary yet. What if the fivefold 
wasn't about offices at all. What if it was a process of salvation to take the world for Christ? I'll talk about that in a second. That's my last point. So the apostle means one sense. So if an apostle wants to hear the Lord, he needs to be thinking, God, I want to transform cities, states, and nations. I want to father movements of people. I want to be an ambassador of heaven before men. And you'll find that if that grace is on your life, that's how you tend to hear the Lord. We all hear the Lord. If you're a sheep, you hear. That's the promise. The evangelist hears the Lord for the sake of the gospel. When you're ministering and, and, and you don't ever hear God typically, but then you start preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ for the sake of salvation, and suddenly you're reading people's mail. It's because the originating grace that God gave you, that's, remember, he gives as he wills. When he gives you that grace, you will hear the Lord for the sake of the gospel to see a soul come to their father. Come on. The pastor will hear the Lord for the sake of healing broken hearts. That's why when a pastor is prophesying to you, he tends to weep. Anybody ever seen Caleb cry? We'll work on you. It's okay. So you'll know when he's beginning to hear the Lord's heart for you prophetically. Because tears will begin to well up in his eyes. It's not like when he's not crying, it's not true. It's just that heaven is forcing its way into your world through Caleb the vessel. That's how violent God loves you. But the teacher will hear the Lord for the sake of illuminating you to a truth that you didn't have before. That's what happens when Bill comes in. <laughs> Bill Vanderbush comes in and he's just saying things so gingerly and you're like, oh, and he's like, hmm, and he just keeps going. You're like, no, no, stop right there. Teach me about that for an hour and a half. He's like, don't have time. He doesn't say that, but that's the way I feel he says it. And so you'll know that hearing that the Lord comes from the place of illuminating you to see truth more clearly. Now I want to present to you in the last five minutes that I have, do I have, can I have like 15 minutes? Okay. I want to present to you something different that will transform your lives. It'll transform your children. It'll transform this church. It'll transform this city. It'll transform this state. It'll transform this world. What if you stopped fighting for a place to be known as one of the five? And you started processing every person you know with all five. My question is, if 2,000 years ago, this was set in motion, and these are supposed to exist until we all come to the unity of the faith, then where are those people that can be apostles, and can prophesy, and can evangelize, and can pastor, and can teach? Where are the utility players of the kingdom? Does that make sense? It should be everybody at this point. Like, they've had 2,000 years to get this thing right. I actually had a pastor once say, well, Jonathan, that's because the, the fivefold is just now being acknowledged. I'm like, well, it was acknowledged at some point, right? Like, that's why we have the scripture. So it was received broadly by the church in the beginning. And somehow we've taken this weird back step and we have to come back to go, let's not just live at being known as one of the fivefold. The fivefold is supposed to equip you to go build up the body. They're not supposed to be the superstars that you fuel, 
I love to be able to tell the truth, except for when you look at me that way. It's like, don't step on my toes too many times, Jonathan. We know where you live. Some of you do. So now what if it was a process with your children? This is what we're going to take the last part, and then I'm going to bless your families, and your families are going to start to flourish in the Holy Spirit. Do you know, generally speaking, what Joel chapter 2 says? What, what happens to, yeah, what happens in the last days? What does God do with his spirit? He pours it out on what? All flesh. Wouldn't it be weird to see your dog speaking in tongues? I don't know, probably didn't mean that, but maybe so. But then he goes a layer deeper and defines what that actually looks like. What does it say? Your sons and your daughters would what? Do you know how radical of a statement that is in an old covenant where women are not allowed to be priests? He was breaking the back of all old covenant thinking when he was prophesying according to the word of the Lord that it was God's will that we, all people, all flesh would become a nation of kings and priests before the Lord. We would become like father. So let me tell you this. The fruit of Pentecost was not speaking in tongues. It was your kids prophesying in fire. The fruit of Pentecost was a family on fire. And we have made it everything but renewing an entire family unit. I'm responsible for that. We are all responsible at some layer for that. And it breaks my heart because the promise is written right there. Well, where is that in the new covenant, Jonathan? Where do we actually see that? Where is the fruit? I'm so glad you asked. Man, I'm so glad you asked. Acts 2, Holy Spirit comes. Peter preaches the gospel. We're not drunk as you suppose. Which makes no sense when we still say we get drunk in the spirit. He's like, we're not drunk. Anyway, <laughs> keep going. Acts 21, you start to see that there is a man who has four virgin daughters who prophesy. It would have been less impactful to say four virgin sons. But the fruit of the gospel was coming back. To redeem the original transgressor. God was unwilling to leave women behind to be seen as lesser. He was after the heart of a redeemed family unit. So that your offspring would not even be looked down upon as children any longer. But ministers of fire. Who could prophesy as oracles of the Lord without your requirements. And your pressures of behavior. Why? Because the other promise is that God's law would be written on your heart. Do you know parenting becomes easy when your kids tell you what's wrong before you do? I deal with this with my son constantly. My son's like, Dad, can I watch this show? I'm like, oh, totally, man. That's like G-rated. Go ahead and watch it. He's like, I prayed about it and God says it's not right. I'm like, listen here, Pharisee. And he's like, no, I'm telling you, I've got to keep a clean conscience so I can continue to hear the Lord properly. 
And I'm like, God, I'm sorry. <laughs> and so what I want to talk to you about, okay, we're good on, I got nine minutes. Let's wait, I can slow down. I want to talk to you about the process of how to disciple your spouses, your children, your neighbors, your church. We ready? Stop. It's not wrong, by the way, I'm I'm leaving a disclaimer. It's not wrong to think of the fivefold as a mountain. I think it's more helpful to think of it as an arrow. Mountain, arrow. Very similar. This doesn't do anything to change the world, and this pierces the heart of all believers. When we think of it then as Apostle being missionary representative of the kingdom of heaven to father city states and nations We understand that the missionary first comes on the scene. That's who gets sent one cent He comes on the scene and he represents the kingdom and he begins to break up the status quo of thinking but with no further oversight until there's a major problem The prophet follows suit. Remember, that's named second in this scriptural passage. The prophet comes along to perceive the heart of the father over the believers of the region. So what do we have now? We have a city that has seen the kingdom modeled, but they're like in the dark looking at the light. And they can't perceive or understand what's going on. The prophet comes along and says, and this is what God wants for you. The evangelist comes along and he's not saying, can you imagine the first evangelist saying, please turn with me in your Bibles in the New Testament? There wasn't one. The evangelist just came up and said, man, I'm I'm a product evangelist. It's my job to go around and talk about this new product called grace. I'm the product of grace. And so I'm going to evangelize about what God did to me. Now, what has a city that's unreached seen? They've seen the kingdom modeled. They've heard the voice of a father who says, I love you, and I want you to be mine forever. And the evangelist says, this stuff works, guys. Look at me. Now you've seen it walked out, right? The pastor comes along, and suddenly you're like, man, I've seen this this guy. He represented a kingdom far away, but it was in him, man. It was in him. And I didn't know what was going on. And this other guy came and he told me what this guy's father was saying about me. This other guy came up and said, I was one of you once too, but God changed me. Look. The pastor comes on the scene and people are pulling up their shirts saying, I have these holes in my heart. And I trust you to put them back together. Do you have any thread and needle? Could you, could you stitch this pain back together? The teacher comes on the scene and says, I'm here to show you. And they're like, we know. We saw a guy that modeled the kingdom of heaven. We saw that it's possible to hear the voice of a father that loves me. We saw a life transformed and our wounds have been tended. Please teach us how to do this. I've heard for years that the teacher is somehow lesser than. And if nobody ever said it, it's the way they were treated. But I would propose to you that the teacher is the final stepping stone to weaponize an army of sons and daughters. 
When we turn this into a process, we can apply this to our children's lives. Do you know as parents, because you love so well, you love so well that you quit treating your children like disciples. So you go straight to trying to teach them things. But they haven't seen you model the kingdom. They haven't heard the prophetic word of the Father over their lives out of your mouth to them. They've not seen that you've been transformed by good news. They don't trust you with their wounds. That's why you're always finding out last the broken heart of your child. And we jump straight to, this is what you do. Why don't you listen to me? I'm trying to teach you here. Don't you get it? I love you. And it doesn't feel loving. It feels like you've jumped to a process of instruction, but they don't have your aha. So you're trying to give them information, but they're not being inwardly formed. They just have a bunch of stuff they can say. Because Sunday school said, say these things. And I've seen salvations come from it, so I'm not downing it. I'm saying there's a better way. So if I come to a child that will not let me instruct him, I just take one step back and I quit trying to teach him anything. I'm like, hey, what's going on in your heart? I don't want to talk about I take a step back and I say, hey, do you know my story? Do you know what pain has happened to me? And God met me in this broken mess that was hiding their own pain from the world. And they're like, I'm not talking to you about anything and I don't believe your story. Do you know what the Father says about you? I don't even know if God is real. Hey, let me represent what real looks like. When we weaponize the fivefold as a process... There is no one else safe on earth. But when we allow division to say, this is my lane and don't you dare tell me that I'm misprophesying. Don't you dare tell me I'm not a father. Don't you dare tell me I could be better at evangelism. Don't you dare tell me that I don't know how to dress wounds. Don't you dare say that my teaching is wrong. Then we start to take ownership about attributes of Christ as if we own Christ in an unnatural sense without wanting all of him. Do you know the goal of the fivefold is not the fivefold, it's the maturity of Christ Himself. If someone said, Jonathan, you could choose to be known as Christ or choose to be known as a prophet, what would you choose? Is there anyone in here that would choose the, the role over God? Now, quickly, I have two minutes. I told you we had time. I know this is a heavy word, but heavy words also produce life. That's my hope, that you would not be tossed back and forth with several different teachings, that Christ truly being your cornerstone would allow all things to be built on him, which means he is the anchor to the whole structure. You can take this teaching... And you can apply it to your friendships. What about broken marriages in here where infidelity is prevalent? I don't know why. They just keep cheating. 
We'll try to teach them how not to. I did, and they didn't listen. Okay. Do they trust you with their pain? No, and I don't know why. Have they heard your story? Yeah, when we met. Tell it again. Okay, did that work? No. Have you ever prophesied over your spouse? I didn't know that I could start there. It happens at work. I go there and I try to represent the kingdom first, John, and they don't receive me. Now where are we? There's nowhere to back up from representing the kingdom. And this is where long-suffering comes into play. This is a fruit of the Spirit that says, I will not try to prophesy to someone who has not yet seen me represent the kingdom. We've gotten so out of order, guys. If you want to know the nature of the prophetic voice, ultimately we come in love to point you to Christ by reorganizing the things where we're kind of getting out of rhythm with one another. To bring what? The unity of the faith. I can bet you there's not a person in here that's okay to let their children go to hell. And that is why I'm here. I need you to understand that walking out a process is far more valuable than occupying a space called an office. And when we quit taking ownership of an attribute and we start taking ownership of Christ, you get a lot more. And you walk in a freedom that you didn't know was possible. And suddenly you're not weighing everything so heavily on you when you're rejected for the grace on your life. You're like, do you know what's amazing? I got rejected. And they're like, what? And you're like, and so was Jesus, so I get to see a part of him that you don't. I was preaching the gospel. One of my friends who's preaching the gospel on the street, and someone was hit him over the head with a beer bottle. And he thanked God. Thank you, God, that I can partake in the rejection that you felt by the people that you're trying to love well. It is a gift. I get to acknowledge something in you that many people don't get to see. Has this message been helpful to you guys? Can I bless your families? Father, I ask in Jesus' name that every person that will receive my words by faith, even if they don't fully understand, it's by faith, not understanding, that they receive. And if they receive the words by faith, God, I ask in Jesus' name, that you would begin to give them the tools and the, the downloads from heaven to see their family set on fire. I ask God that the graces that you've given my family be imparted to every receiver by faith now in Jesus' name. Not by a light coming on the, in the room or a wind blowing in the room, but by faith and faith alone. It was good enough for our salvation. It's good enough to receive a gift. God, I ask that signs, wonders, and miracles would begin to accompany all people who have never seen them before. God, I ask that that word you gave me, that this pandemic of passion start today. That the environments of deep and unfettered worship would begin to take over until there's nothing left to be said but holy. I bless you with that as my own family. 
In Jesus' name. Now, if you receive that, say amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. This has been another message from Kingdom Life Church. If this podcast ministered to you, be sure to like, subscribe, and share to help get the message of Jesus around the world. For more information, be sure to visit our website at kingdomlife.live. Thanks for listening, and remember, love God and love people.